The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. He went in and said to her, Rejoice so highly favoured, the Lord is with you. She was deeply disturbed by these words and asked herself what this greeting would mean. But the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have won God's favour. Listen, you are to conceive and bear a son and you must name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever and his reign will have no end. Mary said to the angel, But how can this come about since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel answered, and the power of the Most High will cover you with its shadow, and so the child will be holy and will be called Son of God. Know this too, your kinswoman Elizabeth has in her old age herself conceived a son, and she whom people called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible to God. I am the handmaid of the Lord, said Mary. Let what you have said be done to me. And the angel left her. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of the Gospel blot out all our sins. Good morning again. And thank you for joining us here in the church. And thanks to those of you who are joining us online. And we understand from what we've been hearing, um, that people all over the place are joining us online. And let me say a special word of greeting to Sister Judith in Harare. Um, I hope, Sister Judith, that you've been able um, to link in with us today. And I want to say a special word of gratitude to Sister Eileen Lenehan. Sister Eileen is the vicar for Consecrated Life um, here in the diocese. And it was Eileen who prompted us Um, to organize this online um, summer retreat. In the beginning, we thought it would be just online, but we're delighted now that we can actually have people um, joining us um, in the church as well. And we begin today, we continue until Saturday. We'll have this 10 o'clock Mass each morning, and then we'll have talks, reflections at 11 and at 4, and we'll have adoration each day at 12 for an hour, and the church will be open um, all the time um, during that. And the theme, of course, that we've chosen is discipleship or following Jesus today. Um, What does it mean to be followers of Jesus today? So um, the inspiration came from Sister Eileen, and we had religious in mind, and then the bishop has been encouraging priests to maybe join us as well. But we think the retreat uh, will be suitable for any followers of Jesus. There is a lovely scene in the Confessions of St. Augustine. Uh, Augustine is in Milan, and he has come under the influence of St. Ambrose, who's the Bishop of Milan. And Ambrose has an open house as Bishop. People come and go all the time. You don't need an appointment to see the Bishop. You can just turn up. And he's very busy. But every day and Augustine describes this rather beautifully. Every day, Ambrose sets aside time for reading the scriptures. 
Now, Augustine is amazed at how Ambrose reads the scriptures because he's just using his eyes. Augustine has never seen anybody read any text before who didn't read it out loud because that was the custom at the time. So he wasn't used to silent reading and Ambrose is the first person he's ever seen reading silently. And Augustine tells us that Ambrose is so engrossed in his reading that he doesn't notice what's happening around him and sometimes Augustine will come and just sit and watch Ambrose reading and then slip away without even being noticed. But there's a lovely sentence that I want to share with you. Um, when Ambrose read, his eyes ran over the columns of writing, and that's the bit, of course, that amazed um, Augustine at the time. His eyes ran over the columns of writing, and his heart searched out the meaning, but his voice and tongue were at rest. That little phrase there, his heart searched out the meaning. The rabbis at the time of Jesus, and you'll have heard me if you come here, even occasionally you'll have heard me quote this um, before, the rabbis at the time of Jesus used to say that every story had at least 77 levels of meaning. That the rabbis, preachers, teachers, the rabbis could help people discover one level of meaning and then it was up to people to discover all the other levels of meaning for themselves. And the meanings change. The same story can say different things to different people, and the same story can say different things to us at different stages in our lives, and the Spirit guides us. There's also a very nice passage, um, and I found this in one of a talk, I found this in a talk that Pope Benedict gave when he was doing a catechesis on prayer. Again, it goes back to the early stages of the church, and the quotation and the lovely image is from Origen, who was a great theologian who eventually um, drifted into heresy. But he's saying that the preacher, and we could say the reader, the preacher must be like the beloved disciple who rests his head against his master's heart and there learned the way to think, to speak, and to act. So resting our heads against the heart of Jesus when we read scripture or when we listen to the scripture being proclaimed so that we can learn how to think, how to speak, and how to act. So heart to heart. And I think all the early fathers of the church when talking and writing and preaching about the scripture, encourage us to engage with the heart, not just with the head, though intellectual engagement is obviously important, but with the heart as well. St. Augustine was preaching once to the priests in his diocese, and he warned them against the danger of becoming empty preachers, empty preachers of the word of God, and he said that they would become empty preachers of the word of God if they didn't hear the word of God in their own hearts. And that applies not just to preachers, I think, but to all of us, that we need to hear the word of God in our hearts. St. Augustine said about Mary that before Mary conceived Jesus physically in her womb, she conceived him spiritually in her heart. Now, the physical conceiving of Jesus is uniquely Mary's vocation, 
but we're all invited to conceive Jesus spiritually in the heart, to allow the Word of God penetrate us, to allow the Word of God take root in us, and to allow the Word of God grow within us and work within us and begin um, to change us from within. So it's a knowing by heart. And when we read Scripture, or when we listen to the Scriptures being proclaimed in the Church, we're listening to Jesus speaking to us, because Jesus himself speaks to us. The Constitution on the Liturgy in paragraph 7 says very clearly, and this is key Catholic doctrine, very clearly that Jesus is present in his Word, since it is he himself who speaks when the Holy Scriptures are read in the Church. So that Jesus is present in his Word, so that when we engage with the Scriptures, we engage with Jesus. And Pope Francis emphasizes very strongly the importance of encountering Jesus in the Scriptures. And that involves a prayerful, reflective engagement with the Scriptures. See, I think the problem with many of us is that uh, we know the stories so well. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but it happens to me. You begin reading the story, and then your mind has jumped on to the end of it because you know it so well. So there's not that um, familiarity breeds contempt, I think, but that familiarity can lead to a certain indifference or a certain complacency in regard to our engagement with the Word of God. So it's about slowing down. It's about taking time. It's about sticking at it. It's about persevering. As Pope Francis says, it's about being there. It's about being present, about being um, present um, to Jesus. So it's about reading the Scriptures prayerfully. There's a little bit about prayer in the Catechism where it says and encourages this prayerful approach because we speak to Jesus and then Jesus speaks to us. So it's a dialogue. So it's about talking and it's about listening and we need to cultivate um, that listening attitude um, when we um, approach the scriptures. I think we see Mary engaging with the word of God in the Annunciation story that Gabriel proclaims God's word. Mary has this encounter with the word and she engages with the word. There's a passage I like um, in Robert Bold's play, A Man for All Seasons, and I use it sometimes when I'm talking about this Annunciation story. Um, a Man for All Seasons is a play by Robert Bold. It's about St. Thomas More, and in this passage, Thomas More is speaking to his daughter, Meg Roper, and this is what he says to her. God made the angels to show him splendor, as he made animals for innocence and plants for their simplicity. But man, excuse the language, man he made to serve him wittily in the tangle of the mind, to serve God with all our wits about us in the tangle of our minds. And that's, I think, what Luke lets us see kind of happening to Mary. She, we get glimpse, as it were, we glimpse the tangle of Mary's mind. There's fear there, there's doubt there, there are questions there. Mary doesn't run away from the fear or the doubts or the questions, but she somehow faces them, embraces them, 
brings them into her conversation with Gabriel, her engagement with the Word of God, works through the process, as it were, and then at the end of the story is able to surrender. But interestingly, she doesn't surrender at the beginning of the story, she surrenders at the end of the story after she has worked her way through her fear, through her doubts, dealt with her questions and her, and her anxieties. So it's about using our wit, using the mind as well as using the heart, and not shying away, as it were, from the tangle of our minds, so that when we engage with the Word of God, we're engaging with Jesus because he's present in the Word and he's speaking to us. So, so we come as we are. Bring the fear. Bring the doubts. Bring the questions. Bring the anxieties. Bring also, of course, the joys and the energies and the enthusiasms, but don't get stuck. I suppose that's one of the things that Mary teaches us, not to get stuck. Sometimes fear paralyzes us, doubt, we uh, just don't know what to do, we're, we're, we're frozen maybe in the face of doubt, we have questions and we don't know what to do with the questions, but Mary encourages us by her example to bring the fear, to bring the doubts, to bring the questions, to come as we are and to engage as we are uh, with the Word of God.